Welcome back, everybody, to All Met Sports Talk here with Coach Sherm. Uh, taking the last month off, got to travel up to, to upstate New York and see my brother Sean and my brother Chris. One lives in Buffalo, one in Rochester. Uh, just spending some time with the family. Over at Chapel Gate, we've had, we're in our third week now. Actually, by the time you hear this, wrapping up our third week of camp. Been an elementary school camp, a middle school camp, and now this week finished up with a high school camp. All three of those have been really great. Uh, all the kids at all levels have really enjoyed it, so it's been a lot of fun. So now back to work, I guess, doing the podcast, which I, I have missed and, and appreciated a lot of people reaching out, asking when the next episode is coming out. So let's jump right into it. Really, really excited about my guest today. Uh, but before I get to that, just remember on social media, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram uh, under All Met Sports Talk. On Twitter, it's at All Met Talk. And you can always email us, allmetsportstalk at gmail.com. Thanks, as always, to uh, Preston Suggs. Find him on Instagram at King P. Suggs. He provides the music each week. He promised me, promises me he has some, some new music coming, but we'll see about that. All right. So thanks, everybody, again, and for all the support. And I think you're going to really be excited about this guest, especially if you're in the DMV and, 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 a, and a big football fan like we all are here. Uh, so joining us today, Mr. Dan Burmeister. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining us. Now, we talked for about 10 minutes before we hit record, and it's just insane how many, how many different people we kind of know from knowing, from knowing, from, you know, different different things. Basically, though, from your growing up and going to Oakton High School in Northern Virginia, but before we get to, to your high school career, which was a great one, uh, so you were born in Fayetteville, North Carolina. You're an Army brat? Army brat, born in Fayetteville, moved to actually Alexandria, uh, when I was uh, when I was little, and then we moved out to Oakton right before my brother went to high school. Okay, great. And so, what was it like growing up in Northern Virginia? I mean, I, I lived there as a as a young guy, and actually, a good friend of mine, Brian Welsh, who played football at Virginia Tech, you you he went to the same high school as you, Oakton, and we started talking about all the that, that there's like a there should that Hall of Fame has got to be pretty big at Oakton High School, <laughs> but but what was it like uh, growing up there in, in Northern Virginia and going to Oakton? It was fantastic. You know, Northern Virginia grew a lot with the times we were there. Um, I think it doubled in size in 10 years. Uh, but for a kid growing up, I grew up in the Vienna Youth uh, Organization and just spending all day, you know, during the weekend, hanging out at the local at the local football field, seeing everyone. It, it was just a great gr way to grow up, and, and, and I, I couldn't be happier with where I grew up and when I grew up because it was just a great time to be there. Yeah, absolutely. And so you, you're you there, you know, finishing high school there in the late 80s, and, you know, we're going to talk football because, I mean, you, you've got a lot of football in your background, but one thing that I found really cool was in 1981, you set the Northern Virginia 200-meter dash record that stood for nearly 30 years. So do you remember what your time was? Um, I ran a, a, so this is a hand time. So everyone gets in a big huff over hand versus electronic. And I ran what I thought was a strict hand time at 21, three, four. Uh -huh. And um, people, people to turn that to electronic wanted to add anywhere from 0.23 to 0.27 seconds but I, I actually ran it in the semifinals of a regional meet and the only reason I ran it in the semifinals was my brother who held my blocks for me and 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 was one of my coaches 
told me I would never, ever get another afternoon as beautiful as it was. It was in South Lakes High School, beautiful high school in Reston. It was brand new, had a fantastic track. And we had about a 78 degree day with no Ooh. wind and wow. I was rested. And I, and he said, if you're ever going to break this thing, break it now because you never know what's going to happen. And what's happened in the years since is that all the great sprinters from Northern Virginia, they've gotten the chance to break it and they've had rain, they've had wind, they've had everything that could go against them. So I, I always, I always thank my brother for that advice because he, he nailed it. I, I ran it in the semifinal and I didn't even match it the next day in the finals. Wow. Did you win the state title that year in the 200? You know, here's, here's the biggest shame of my athletic career. I was twice state runner-up in the 200 meter in Virginia, and I twice had the lead going into going with about 80 yards left, and I, twice I relinquished it. So I came in second my junior and senior year in the 200 in the state of Virginia. Wow. Wow, that's that's. That's amazing. But, and, and it's crazy to think that you ran it then, right? Yes. But that, that's yeah, really it, cool, it, though. That's, it's great that you actually remember so much of that day, especially being able to spend that with your brother. Yeah, I, I, I don't credit my brother for a lot of smart stuff, but I credit him <laughs> for the, hey, go, go ahead and lay it down right now. Don't worry about the finals. Don't worry about tomorrow. This might be your only chance to put that, you know, because our whole thing back then is we all – we all wanted to make track and field news. Remember track and field news used to put out the top mm-hmm. 10 in the country. Yeah. It was like, if you want to get on the top 10, you'll do it right now. So I ended up being in the top 10, but not winning my own state. Wow. Now was the guy who beat you, did he make the top 10? The guy that beat me is the, is the two, two guys beat me. The guy who beat me in my junior year started running track three weeks before the state championship and never ran track afterwards. Are you kidding? He, he got, he got the, the story went that he got arrested and put in juvie and never ran again. And he ran me down. I don't even think the guy knew how to use starting blocks. He was, he was on. And then my senior year, a guy named Brian Banks, who's fairly well known in the Northern Virginia uh, area. He went to Garfield and he, uh, he was a he I didn't think he went to, went to George Mason to run track. He ran me down from about 15 yards behind. I, I just I just I loved coming off the turn ahead of everyone. I loved the crowd the crowd noise and trying to beat people on the turn. And I should have run the turn turn a little calmer and left a little more for the straight. But I never learned my lesson. Mm, wow. And so Noah Lyles broke your record. You said about just almost 30 years later, like 29 in like 2010. Yeah. Right? Noah broke it by over, a, over a second. I, I mean, wow. it was, I think when I got word of what he ran, I was like, you guys are joking. Right. And they're like, nah, he's probably going to be the number one guy in the world here in the next few years. But I think Noah, I, I have to look it up, but I think he ran a 20.3 in high school. Good gracious. It was, was ridiculous. And, and, and by the way, Joe Cephas, who's Noah's brother broke it the same day. <laughs> so they oh both gosh. broke it in the same race and wow. it wasn't close i mean it was it was a formality if it, it i would have needed a hurricane and and <laughs> someone to step on the track in their way to beat those two man that's incredible so all this track talk but, but your sport where you really excelled at was actually football so what positions did you play uh growing up was it were you locked in or did you play a bunch of different ones I was not a big hitter. I didn't like the physicality of football. I, I, I played a little running back when I was young in Pat Warner, 
and then I was moved to wing, so sort of a receiver, running back hybrid, and I played that through high school, and then I always played free safety. Um, mm-hmm. So free safety was my most natural position, and I, 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 played, uh, I played that ever since I was small. Wow. Cool. Okay. So your senior year, you're actually uh, named an All-American, Parade All-American, your senior year there at Oakton. Um, we talked about some of the, the names. What, what are some, who are some of the names that, that went to Oakton um, that you can rattle off that, I mean, cause there's, it's like a, a who's who of, of incredible uh, football players from there. Well, I think it all starts with Eugene Chung. I mean, you have a guy who was drafted, the first Asian American to be drafted in the first round of the NFL draft an amazing athlete who was coming into his own when he got to Oakton, but wasn't a full full player until Virginia Tech developed him for a few years. But first team All-American in college, drafted in the first round, uh, ended up being an NFL coach, just an incredible person. So Eugene would probably be at the top of that chart. But then we had um, a guy named Mike Evanoff who, who played at Wyoming and then uh, uh, Eastern, uh, Eastern Kentucky. Uh, Kurt Bethard, Bobby Bethard's mm, son, yep. uh, was our quarterback. He played at Towson. He's all-time leading passer at Towson. My brother played running back at Maryland. Um, I'm trying to think who else on, on, on that team. Uh, Arn Kritzky ended up being an Olympic weightlifter. John Lugville, our defensive end, ended up being the number one kayaker in the world. Who was, who was, um, who, who was good friends with my with my dad, by the way. So I can't wait for my dad to hear this podcast and go, what? You know, so that's going to be cool. Yeah, I told you the story earlier. I, I was a, I started as a freshman and they started me at cornerback and I was afraid of Lugville. So I didn't talk to him because he seemed like a man. And I was I, I was still a little kid. Yeah, and he actually first game I ever played with him. He actually held a guy up and said, will you hit someone? So the guy came running around the, the end and he actually held the guy up and turned him towards me to see if I would hit anyone. <laughs> but I was, a, I was a boy among men with those guys. I, we, we had a guy the year before named Thor Kritzky and that's Arn Kritzky's big brother. And he played football at Virginia Tech. When he was in college, he broke the world record for squatting at 220 pounds. He squatted 880. Good gracious. So I got pictures of these guys and my friends in California don't believe me. They think I'm making it up. And I show them pictures of these guys and they're like, how did you guys ever lose? But yeah. you know, all roads, go, all roads go through Hampton and Chesapeake. So we're not yeah. winning state titles at Oakton, but we, we won a lot of games. That's for sure. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is that Virginia tech seems to recruit heavily out of Oakton, but also out of those Hampton Roads schools. So. Uh, Virginia well, Tech. they got, you know, I forgot one. How'd you say Virginia Tech? Cody Grimm went to Virginia Tech. Cody, Cody Grimm. played for Tampa Bay. And Cody's now the defensive back coach at Tampa Bay. So you got the, um, on, on Virginia Tech's staff right now, Jack Tyler is the all-time leading tackler at Virginia Tech. He's an Oakton guy. And the amazing story about it is that Cody and Jack were walk-ons at Virginia Tech who ended up both being three-year starters. I, I did not remember that. I, I didn't remember them being walk-ons. Wow. Uh, tech was weird. They would recruit these kids and they would know how bad these kids wanted to go to tech and they would hold out on them. And both of those guys were like, look, we want a spot on the team. And even though they could have played at a lot of spots, they actually walked on. Now they both got scholarships yeah. and yeah. Um, Jack's still the all-time leading tackler there and Cody's an NFL coach. So they're doing fine. But, you know, I, I think Oakton was known for, if you look at that early to 
mid, mid late 80s it was known for nose guards and linebackers mm-hmm. and we had a lot and we had a lot of them and 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 your buddy Welsh certainly was one of them as well that he was a monster yeah he was I, I believe he was not I think he was an all-american as well coming out but I can't remember now um he came out yeah, he, and, he, he was phenomenal yeah I think 97 or 98 he came out but went to tech but he was also state champion wrestler um but uh, my mom will have a lot of funny stories about trying to feed him when he was a little kid. Uh, you know, he we'd eat. You know, she'd make us hot dogs. We'd eat two each, and then he'd eat six. You know, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear. I, I've never met him in person, but I hear. I hear incredible, incredible things about him. Yeah, and uh, as you pointed out, actually, which was really cool that you remembered this being national news was. Um, his father was actually killed in a in a terrorist attack on the embassy in in Lebanon when we were kids. Actually, we were very. Brian was just in first grade. Uh, his brother Chris and I were in second grade, and uh, and his, when their dad was killed, and the first game. Remember, like the whole world shut down after nine eleven, and the first game back, um, they gave Frank Beamer gave Brian the the American flag, and he led the team out carrying the American flag after nine eleven. Still gives me chills you know, even saying it, but, um, as you had mentioned before we started talking that that had made national news and it was all over sports center and everything. Yeah. It was an incredible moment. Really incredible. And, and, you know, the one thing about Oakton is, you know, and I, I played with two great, as I said, great middle linebackers and great nose guards. Our nose guard my senior year was Jeff Palmucci, who was a state champion wrestler. And then our middle linebacker was a guy named Freddie Kramer, who, I ruined with Carl Carr at University of North Carolina my freshman year, the linebacker from T.C. Williams, who was everybody's All-American coming out of T.C. Williams. And he told me he thought our linebacker was the best linebacker in the conference. And our linebacker ended up going playing baseball at East Carolina. But we, we always, for some reason, had a great nose guard and a great middle linebacker. Yeah. That's, that's, that's two positions, you know, that's going to help you win a lot of games if you can get that. Uh, well, they say be good up the middle, right? So we had we had Kurt Kurt Beathard at quarterback. My brother, who played at Maryland at tailback, we were good in the middle. Yeah, but we we just never quite won a. We won some district titles, but we never won a regional title. Yeah, wow, lots of fond memories, I'm sure. So then you you decide to head back to to where you're born there and the uh, down at at UNC. What was your experience like down in in uh, Chapel Hill, being a Tar Heel? Uh, injured. Injured early. Uh, I, I, I went in and was redshirted. Um, I, I went in as a receiver because of the speed, and I, I knew I was a better defensive back than receiver. I was a straight-line runner. I didn't really have a – I wasn't, like, like, you know, that nimble guy who turns that well. I could run straight line. Mm-hmm. And so they had me at receiver. They redshirted me. And then in the spring game of my freshman year, I broke my tibia in half. Oof. And so I missed the entire whole next year. I came back and I ended up playing special teams for a couple of years while I was working my way back into the lineup. I was blessed to win the Piccolo Award for Comeback Player of the Year in the conference, and then my senior year I started at uh, I started at free safety. But it was a long journey. Those were the days where they just cast you up from from hip to the end of your foot and mm. say see you in a year. It mm. wasn't like it is today. Oh my gosh! And I can't so I, it was a it was a yeah it was a long long slow road back and and when I was being recruited in high school I couldn't make up my mind and my 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 mom and dad said look we're gonna make it easy for you what school would you be at like to be at if you were injured and couldn't play and I said Carolina 
and they said, okay, go to Carolina. I was, I was rumored and I even thought I was going to Penn State all the way up until my official visit to Penn State. Did not get along with the, some of the players at Penn State. Went home, told my mom and dad, I'm not sure. And they're like, where would you be happy if you never played football? And I said, North Carolina. And that's how I ended up going to North Carolina. See, I, I'm glad your parents said that. I'm, I'm going to tell you a story in a second about that. But um, where else were you being recruited to? So Penn State, UNC, who else were you holding offers from? Um, I, I can tell you who I visited. So the visits were Wake Forest, Virginia Tech, Stanford, UCLA, Penn State, and North Carolina. Wow. Woo. And, it's a nice and list. Stanford, I, I really like Stanford, but they made a huge mistake. My plane got delayed, and they said, take him to a class. And I went to the class, and Sherman, I'm not lying to you. I didn't understand a word they said for an hour. And I said, <laughs> I'm not going to school here. There's no way I'm going to do this. I'm going to sign there for class, I tell you. Wow. You think you would have gone there or at least given it more consideration if you didn't go to that class? I told my, my, my mom and dad, I said, if that plane had been on time, I'd have signed with Stanford. Mm. But well, when they took me in that class, and then later on when I told Stanford staff why I didn't come, they said that was a master's engineering class. And I said, I don't care what it was. I couldn't even tell you what it was. <laughs> Jeez. Bad logistical air, Stanford. <laughs> yeah i i was but and you know and they and they were recruiting the dmv back then they had tracy mm-hmm. jackson from the matha yeah oh he, their, he was a you, he, he, oh wait uh tracy football or basketball he was a basketball player and football player they recruited him as both and he ended up playing football oh okay okay i'm thinking about someone and, I, and then you were go ahead you, you remember the famous kick against cal yeah where cal returned that that was Mark Harmon, or not Mark Harmon, what's his name? Harmon was a kicker from um, either Fort Hunt or West Potomac. He was a Northern Virginia kid. The guy who made the kickoff in that famous play was a Northern Virginia kid. Wow. Incredible. Yeah, they used to recruit a lot. I mean, even through the 90s, you know, they were still recruiting a lot here. Matter of fact, well, like Catholic, I would say even in the early like 2000s. Catholic athletic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they sure. like the Catholic Athletic Conference because they know it's disciplined, good schools. Yep. And I think they, uh, you know, I think they were the only the reason they recruited me is they had a quarterback named John Elway, and they didn't <laughs> have they, they had they had receivers who were phenomenal who ended up playing in the NFL, but they were all tiny guys who were wigglers through the middle, but they didn't have any downfield speed, so they just recruited me as an X receiver that could run. Okay, gotcha. That, I, I, I never had any allusions to the fact that uh, they thought I was any great football player. They just knew I could take the top off. And when you got a guy like John Elway, that, you know, he can give him a chance to throw the ball anywhere on the field because they recruited me and a kid from Michigan who was a state champion runner who hmm. was about 6'4". And I just remember they recruited some big, fast guys to take the top off so Elway could go other places with the ball. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. Still, it's crazy to come all the way across the country to, to – look for that but it definitely makes sense so what I was going to say was I I I actually tell all of my players now you know basketball can end today we and we we saw it we you know last year it ended um so where do you want to be a student if you know if basketball ends today you know you still have to be happy that's still home for four years um and I tell every single player I coach that because it can end and and then you're just kind of I mean well now you know you have the transfer portal but um, but either way, you want to be happy where you are. So 
Um, so all in all, you still feel like you made the right decision to go to UNC. You enjoyed your time there as a student as well. Penn State won two national championship rings while I was at Carolina. So it's kind of hard from a football yeah. standpoint to say I made a good decision. But you know what? I, I've met a lot of good people. Um, the the medical staff down there somehow got me back to playing. I, I owe a lot of people down there. And, and um, you know, so I, I don't I don't second guess it. I, I mean, I'm, I know how lucky those, you, you know as well as I do. When you create a window of opportunity to play, you yeah. better just enjoy that opportunity because you don't know how long it's going to be. That those windows open and close, mm-hmm. and they gave me two mm-hmm. windows instead of one. So I, you know, I, I I was happy. Yeah, that's that's excellent. Love hearing that. So college ends, and then you end up uh, coming back to the DMV to the uh, team formerly known as the Washington Redskins. Uh, so talk about that experience. Yeah, I, you know, I I uh, was not invited to the combine. And I thought I would be, and I kind of had a chip on my shoulder. And um, that was, I ended up being a late invitee to the combine, which means they had a mini combine after the combine where they brought about 10 guys in that some teams wanted to see. And I ran well, I, um, but I just couldn't get over the hurdle of a lot of teams thinking I was too small to be a linebacker and too stiff to be a defensive back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I, I, I was trying to figure out, am I going to, is this thing going to work or not? And, and I just, you know, I knew that Bobby Bethard would give me a shot one way or another. Cause I had grown up, you know, in his household, I had grown up friends with this kid and they had been on my high school team. And so I knew one way or another, the Redskins would give me a shot. So I was offered free agent contracts with the Raiders, with the bears and with the Redskins. And I decided my dad told me once again, gave me good advice, said, you know, go with the familiar, Go with the Washington, D.C. You, you know, you have a little bit of a name and you have a lot of people who know who you are on the staff. Because I knew I knew Richie Pettibone's son. I played against him in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Joe Gibbs's sons are, are other Oakton Cougars. You know, there's another tie to Oakton, the Gibbs boys. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I, you know, it, it was uh, I decided to go with the Redskins. I, I, you know, didn't sign for very much, was cut fairly quickly in training camp. Um, they told me that I was, you know, a candidate to be a great special teams player in the NFL, but I was going to have to do a little better at free safety to make a team. And I was about to, when the strike hit, I was about to sign a practice squad contract with the Falcons. And then when the strike hit, once again, my dad said, Hey, go with the Redskins. There might be some money in it at the end of the year. Cause they're going to the playoffs. The Falcons aren't mm-hmm. once again, he was right. And I ended up, uh, <laughs> Ended up playing for them, um, starting a couple games during the strike, played special teams, started at free safety a couple games, and, and had a great time. We went 3-0, and and then, lo and behold, we got half the Super Bowl money. And then a couple years ago, maybe four years ago, ESPN guy, uh, the, one of the 30 for 30 guys, decided to do a uh, show on the Redskins scab team and that 30 for 30 parlayed us all the guys are the guys that started during the strike i don't think everyone got the rings but we got rings a couple of years ago so it, you know it ended up all being good wow i didn't know that either that's really cool yeah i got i got a ring i got three years ago i think i got my super bowl ring for the redskins wow and well deserved i mean that's that's pretty cool yeah it yeah, just it was, sounds it like your dad definitely nice. was giving you some good advice along the way 
he was he knew nothing about sports he wasn't even an athlete but he knew business and he knew how to think things through my mom was the athlete in the family where my brother and i got our genes uh-huh. i was about but to ask that my, my, yeah my mom my mom played basketball at vcu Virginia oh, Commonwealth. yeah okay and she and she i'll tell you a funny story and you as a basketball guy will appreciate this in high school they played three offense three defense back then i don't know if you know this but in Virginia, so this would have been, this would have been in the late fifties, right? Mm-hmm. They they would play three girls on offense and three on defense, and they would hand the ball over. The defense would hand the ball over to the offense, but the defense couldn't cross half court. So my mom played offense only through high school, and she got to college, and she could score on anyone, but she wouldn't defend anyone. <laughs> so they had to. They were they were like are you going to learn to defend anyone? And she's like, what if I outscore them? And they're like, no, you got got to learn to play defense. So she, she had to learn to play defense in college. That is wild. Now I, I, I never knew that rule either. Or that, yeah, that, she said that she game play. Sign, she, she, yeah. She didn't sign up for any defense. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's, there's a few NBA guys that don't play any defense either. So she's in good company, but that's a, yeah, that's, so that's that, show that for was, another that, day. <laughs> yeah. So that's where that's and then you know that's where my brother and I think got our, the athletic genes from. Yeah. Uh, so what happened with your brother when after he finished playing at Maryland? Did he go on to play anywhere? No, he. You know what? My brother is one of the most talented athletes and nicest people you ever meet. Not the hardest worker when it came to sports. Had a lot of interest in music and other things in life. Mm-hmm. And so my family raised one one kid who was a grinder me and one kid who just liked to play but didn't didn't have a passion for it uh he ended up um he had one good game at maryland where they put him in at tailback i think he had he had near 100 yards against uh nc state mm-hmm. um but he was a you know he he was just a big talented uh kid that could run i think in high school he weighed about 215 Ooh, and you know back th- back That's then huge. we ran 100 yards yeah, we ran hundred yards when he was in school, not meters, and he was running nine eight nine nine at two fifteen. Wow. wow! And so he so he got recruited. Um, he, it went down to Nebraska and Maryland, and he just decided uh, to stay home. I think he had a better official visit to Maryland. Yeah. Um, but then he ended up being a Capitol Hill police officer. Um, and now he uh, he did then he retired from there and done a lot of different. Uh, odds in the end type sales jobs and stuff but yeah so he he, he's done well let's just say let's just say i was explaining to him walking to the line of scrimmage a lot of the plays because he didn't pay attention oh (laughs) yeah okay i get it yeah but i mean a 215 pound running back back then was was really big i mean that it's funny because i was just telling my wife um when I was playing in high school, our, our top running back who had offers from this is in uh, the mid nineties, but he had offers from Clemson and th- back then. And I'm sure it was probably like this too, when you played, but schools couldn't reach out to you till September 1st of your junior year. And back then, you know, then, there was no social media. I mean, it wasn't even cell phone. So, um, you know, the coach would just come out and kind of, you know, September 1st and say, all right, here's everyone's letters. And and he had a bin full of them. I mean, he was, but he was about a 220 pound running back and he was bigger than just about everybody on the offensive line. I mean, so, but, uh, you know, he's just yeah, I, an he, anomaly. He, 
I don't know if you're going to remember this name, but my senior year, one of my best friends in the world, and when I was in high school, uh, no one knew who he was, and they they couldn't find Parkview with a with a flashlight and a map. <laughs> and he ended up going to Notre Dame and becoming the all-time leading rusher out of Parkview High School, um, just south of Fairfax County. Uh, Alan Pinkett, and I remember Alan Pinkett was absolutely scary because he weighed a, a, right around 190 pounds. Yeah. And, yeah. and could flat out run. Yeah. No, it's and it's hard tackling somebody like that too. It's not yeah. a lot of. We fun. also had a. We also had Eric Dorsey in the region when I was in the region. So oh, Notre Dame picked up one of their best players on defense, who ended up getting two Super Bowl rings with the Giants, and Pinkett. Um, in that same recruiting class and my claim to fame in life. So when, when they do Dan Burmeister, wonderful life yeah. is, <laughs> is Notre Dame came to my high school and said, we're not offering him a scholarship to my head coach. Um, but we're offering him a walk on He's like, well, he's not messing with the walk on. And, and they said, is there anyone we should be recruiting? And my high school coach called me out of class and said, Hey, is there anyone Notre Dame should be recruiting? And I said, well, are they recruiting Dorsey? And he said, yes. And I said, are they recruiting Pinkett? So he went and told the coach, and the coach said, who's Pinkett? Pinkett ended up being the all-time leading rusher at Notre Dame. So that's my big claim to fame. I get, I opened the door for him to go to Notre Dame. Man, that is an incredible story. That's crazy. Yeah, my, my coach used to try to help kids from any school he could. He was a good guy. Yeah, that's all. I, I love hearing that, too. Yeah, there's kids who I've, you know um, – coach that I no longer coach it maybe at a different school and I try to do the same you know anywhere I can I mean I don't have Notre Dame connections but but it's all you know that's that's what you should do as a coach that's really cool good stuff yeah well well just remember they told me I wasn't good enough to play there yeah but I was was gonna ask would you have done a walk-on um you know Alan tried to Alan and I visited Penn State together and and Carl Carr was at T.C. Williams Eric Dorsey was at McLean, Alan was at Parkview, and I was at Oakton, and we were all supposed to go to Penn State. Mm. We went on a visit, and none of us liked it. And we were the next morning, we're sitting at the table at breakfast at the Nittany Lion Inn. I'll never forget this. <laughs> and Dorsey starts talking to Pinkett, and I'm like, uh-oh, they're going somewhere else. Yeah. And I said to Carl, Carr, I said, where are we going? He said, North Carolina. And then a week later, Alan, I said, Alan, where are you guys going? He said, Notre Dame. So all four of us were scheduled to go to Penn State, and two of us. And so we all missed the national championships. Carl yeah. went to Carolina with me, and Eric went to Notre Dame with uh, with Allen. Wow! And all four of you were at different schools. Yeah, we all we all four we all four. Allen and I ran track against each other. Believe it or not, Carl Carr was a middle linebacker from T.C. Williams, and he made the hundred meter finals in Northern Virginia. Wow. Is a middle linebacker. He and, and I'm he sorry, was, you, and that's uh, who your roommate was, right? You said that was your roommate in college. He was, he, yeah, I, 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 I roomed with him my freshman year. Okay, and what a great guy! What a great he ended up playing as a true freshman. So, you know, here I am redshirted, and he's actually getting in games early. Mm-hmm. And, and this isn't North Carolina of like the eighty, uh, the nineties, and two thousand. This is North Carolina ranked number two in the country going into the season. Yeah. Wow. This is this is this is right after Lawrence Taylor and during Michael Jordan's time there. Right. Now, did you know MJ when you were there? My my famous story about MJ is the day 
the day he announced he was going to college, a guy named Harris Barton, who ended up starting for the San Francisco 49ers in three Super Bowls, um, and is going in the College Football Hall of Fame here in a few, I think, beginning next year. Harris and I got a call from the athletic department and said, show up down at the gym, Carmichael gym, and, and we need you to stand by the door and only let people in with press credentials. We didn't even know what it was. It was Michael Jordan saying that he was leaving college early. And when he walked in the door, he gave both of us five as he walked by. That's as close as I came to Michael Jordan. Wow. Yeah. Pretty he said, cool. I appreciate you guys watching the door. That's my, that's my entire conversation. Wow. Hey, that's a lot more than a lot of people have had. With him, but pretty cool though. Yeah. You were there. Yeah. I mean, that was like the height of football and basketball. Well, I mean, basketball is always good. Well, not always, but generally good. So all right, so uh, after the Redskins, you end up going to the Arena League. You're the number two overall pick. And what was your experience like there in, in the Arena Football League? Fantastic. Greatest time of my life. I, I was – I could go – Sherman, I could go to – I could go to bed at night and not worry about being cut in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure I, that – I knew I was going to play. I knew I was going to – the first year we had an ESPN contract, so we were well paid. They paid now, and I'm sorry, who did you – which team were you with? I was with the Pittsburgh Gladiators. We okay. played in what they call Igloo, which is the old uh, Pittsburgh Civic Center where the Pittsburgh Penguins play. Uh-huh, yeah. And it was the coolest few months of my life. I just loved every minute of it. Uh, we had an ESPN. There was an ESPN Friday night game of the week, and that was enough to get us good pay. So we made about half as much as we would as rookies in the NFL playing arena. And then um, – the next year they moved arena to Europe and I, for some reason I didn't want to go and I didn't go to that. And then the following year I played for Washington and Washington actually had a team and there was more people at a pool party than came to our games. But um, <laughs> we played at the Patriot center at George Mason. Uh-huh. And um, we, we weren't real good, but I had a really good year that year. I was second in the league in interceptions. And I just remember I was out of shape. I decided to play at the last second. And it was the greatest year. And what it taught me was you don't have to be in the greatest shape of your life. You have to have the right perspective. And I just remember thinking the game through better than I did the first year I played. So in my two years in arena, I had eight interceptions, but I had six of them in my second year. And I was actually not in very good shape my second year. So it just taught me that mind means more than body sometimes. Mm, yeah, it's a good lesson. And what? And I cut you off. I'm sorry. So you said that with the ESPN contract, and then did you say something about your apartment being paid for? They paid for our living, so we would have three guys per apartment, two bedroom apartment. Um, they would give us a food stipend, and I believe if we, I, I'm trying to think, I can't remember exactly, but there was about 14 games, maybe 12 games, and we were making between. Thirty-five and forty-five hundred dollars a game, mm. which which back then, I mean, we were we were as happy as we could be. Yeah, yeah. We you have everything we, else we paid like, for too. Yeah, we were like we did we we couldn't have been happier. We were running through walls for those guys. Yeah. What was it? What were the uh, fans like in Pittsburgh? Did they enjoy it more up there? Were they more supportive than Washington? The, the, uh, Pittsburgh way more than Washington. The number, the top cities in the country, Chicago, um, Dallas, 
Um, there's some other good arena cities, but, um, you know, arenas tried to make it in so many different, they tried to go the minor league route where they're looking for, for areas that don't have premier football. Mm-hmm. You know, they're looking for areas that don't have NFL teams. They've done it every way they could possibly do it. But uh, Chicago was always one of their, one of their, we sold out every time we played in Chicago. So Joe Lewis arena, about 17,000. Wow. That's pretty wild. That's a lot of people too. Okay. And we had, we, in the quarter, and it was a quarterback driven league and they have, uh, you know, when I played, they had Art Sleaster who was famous for betting on games when he played for the Colts. <laughs> um, they also didn't drug test. So we had every guy that was thrown out of the NFL for drugs. So we had a really talented league. Yeah. <laughs> we were talented. So if yeah. you bet on games or did drugs, we let you in, and a lot of those guys could really play. Wow, that's fun. That's a that's an interesting stat. There. I like that. All right. Um, so uh, football ends, and now you're on the West Coast. Um, so how'd you end up out west? You know, I, I, I was living in Richmond, and I, I'm in the printing business, and I had a job offer in San Diego, and I, I said to my wife, "We've lived uh, we lived on the East Coast, and and we love uh, you know we love." the district uh you know she's from annapolis me from oakton and we said we probably lived half our lives you want to give this thing a shot and she came out and just fell in love with san diego Mm -hmm. um san San diego is really really a cool place it's not like la it's not like san francisco which are great areas but it's just a lot more laid back And, and we've been out here 21 years now and don't regret it we we regret all the money we spent living out here. We, you know, we regret that part of it, but we don't regret anything else because it's been really good to us. Yeah, that's great. That's, that's really cool. I, uh, one of my cousins actually lives in San Diego. My aunt and uncle, he grew up in Redding. So in, uh, Northern California, but he went to San Diego state for grad school and, uh, is still there. So, um, but he loves it too. San Diego state, San Diego state is a great place we have, the universities in San Diego, between University of San Diego, San Diego State, University of California, San Diego, and Point Loma, Nazarene, all four of them are just breathtakingly beautiful. Yeah. And and I hear a lot of people say if you go to San Diego, and I mean, I hear about L.A. as well. If you go to San Diego, then you'll never leave. So, Eleven, 11.1% income tax. They test you. They test Ooh. you. They try to make you leave. Yeah. Good gracious. That's no yeah, fun. So I it, guess it's all the money. You're, so, that's where the money you're talking about. Well, you can make money here, but you it, it's real estate. Oh, man, it's hard to get real estate. And, it, yeah. and it's hard to hand over that money to the government every month and wonder where that money's going. Yeah. Wow. Mm. All right. So you got uh, your two sons following your footsteps playing football. Is it, you, you just have the two boys? Just the two boys. Okay. And, I, and I didn't want either one of them to play football. My wife is one. My wife actually started a Pop Warner Association so they could play. Oh, and, wow. Um, and she she was, you know, I was like, you know, guys, why do you want to get all beat up? Well, you know, go play basketball, go do, go play baseball. Baseball's big in San Diego. And, mm-hmm. and you know, they ended up wanting to play. And, and my older one, Sage, was pretty good from day one. My younger one, Braxton, he was a work in progress. I, his whole first year, I don't think he had one statistic in the game. Wow. They put him at def- they put him at defensive end, and it was a good place to watch games because he never moved. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and, and 
and you'll appreciate this because you have to deal with parents as a coach all the time. So yep. you'll really appreciate this. I'm walking around the stands going, Hey, my kid's going to be a great quarterback. And they're like, well, right now he's a bad defensive end. And yeah. I'm like, I don't think the coach, I don't think the coach knows, but he's a quarterback. And so after two years of me saying this kid's a great quarterback and him playing defensive end, um, after two years of it, um, I, uh, I finally found a coach that said, I'll play him at quarterback. And so that's when he started playing quarterback. Wow. And, and what age, so after two years, but what age was that? I think he started, I think he started playing football when he was eight and he didn't really do anything until he was 10. Yeah. And then, and then he started playing quarterback and started, you know what it's like. Yeah. When kids are young, until they fall in love with something, they don't put the work into it. And when he fell in love with it, then the work started. So how did you know he's going to be such a good quarterback? He's He always, as a kid, had this depth perception. His older brother has it, too. His older brother, we talked for earlier about his older brother was a point guard for the Compton Magic in AAU yeah. basketball. They both have this thing where they just have a feel for what's around them. And the young and, – and Braxton, the little one, is just a, a strong, like a strong kid. And I was like, if you get any height at all, you've got a great arm and you just have an awareness of, of stuff around you. I just, I just knew that if he got repetition and learned to play the position, and if you can't learn to play quarterback in Southern California, you're never going to learn because of all the ex-NFL quarterbacks who live here and, and train kids. So he was trained by Akili Smith and Jeff Garcia wow. all through his elementary, junior high school and high school. Wow. That's yeah. That's some, that's some good, uh, some good names right there. And your oldest son. Yeah, so Jay, what- Schrader, Jay, Jay Schrader's out here training. Uh, uh, there's, there's a number of ex quarterbacks training in San Diego. Yeah. Now Achilles Smith, he went to Penn state. Was he at Penn state? He was at Oregon. Oregon. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's right. That's right. Okay. Um, and, yeah, and, and, Braxton, and Braxton ended up signing with Oregon. And, uh, you know, we were all pretty excited about that. But he ended up playing. He ended up starting five games his freshman year up there and got beat up pretty good. Um, ended up – he beat um, he beat Utah when they were ranked and did a good job. But he was – he went to a small high school here in San Diego. Um, when I say small, I mean really small football. And the reason we did that was we, we believed that, that repetition was more important than notoriety. Uh-huh. And so we didn't send him to the – cathedral catholic or helix or all these big high schools you've heard about here we sent him to a really small private setting and he ended up throwing more balls than any quarterbacks ever thrown in the history of southern california in high school and we felt like that was the best thing to do don't necessarily it wasn't against the best competition but you know as well as i do you only improve with the amount of looks you get and Mm -hmm. he got a lot of looks in high school yeah yeah wow well, that paid off. So now he he'll be starting at quarterback uh, for Virginia Tech, and all all roads lead back to uh, Hokey Land. It sounds like so he'll be going starting yeah. at uh, in in their first game is actually against your alma mater. The first game's against North Carolina here in about three and a half weeks. Uh, he will be starting at quarterback. We're praying for for health. We've we've been around football for so long, and I've been through those nervous days in the stadium with my wife, and so we've we've actually had a family meeting and said we're just gonna you know what we're gonna pray for health and we're gonna be happy 
and we're going to tailgate and we're going to watch games and we're not going to worry about outcomes and whatever happens happens because it when your kid plays quarterback it could be some long days oh yeah i'm sure i'm sure and, and your older son what made him pick so he played college football as well and what made him because uh, i mean compton magic there was actually a documentary i remember seeing about them um so what made him choose football over basketball in college well he he, he was offered a walk-on at creighton okay. and he was offered it was offered um a few schools tico state a few schools out on the on the west coast and he was looking he he wanted to play both mm-hmm. and we kept on trying to dissuade him and tell him that no one really plays both um, you've got to be, you know, the last guy, I, I can count on my hand how many have done. I mean, Ronald Curry at North Carolina, a yeah. DC guy. Hey, here's one for you. Joe Howard, Joe Howard played point guard and receiver at Notre Dame in the seventies. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Julius Peppers, Joe another UNC, UNC guy. Yeah. Julius Peppers, Joe Howard's bad. Matter of fact, the best athlete I ever saw in the DC area. Wow. Um, ended up playing for the Buffalo Bills, I believe, but he played both. But we tried to tell him it's going to be hard to play both. But the school that offered him a, a spot to play both was Idaho State, and they play in the Big Sky. Mm-hmm. And that was a tough transition to go from San Diego to Idaho. I can't imagine. Um, but he wanted to do it, and so after a year, uh, after a year there, he was a, he won the punt return job as a freshman in the Big Sky, which we all were we were really excited about that. We we thought that was a major accomplishment, but. After after spending a year there, he ended up transferring up to Humboldt State, who they – and then Humboldt, he played slot back and returned punts and kicks, and they ended up going to the final eight in Division Two. Hmm. Um, so he had a great experience with that. Yeah, wow. Oh, that's good stuff. Um, and you had mentioned something earlier, so I think I know why, but why didn't you want your boys to play football? Yeah, you know, I, I if they were going to play, I wanted them to start a little later. I didn't want the wear and tear. I wanted them to do other things. Mm-hmm. I, I I just didn't I I just didn't think. I started when I was really young, and I didn't like it. And I learned to like it as I got older. But I did I didn't want them to go through that whole Pop Warner experience where that you feel like every game's the Super Bowl, and yeah. I, I just wanted to have a good time. Just go, just go do something outside. Just, just, you know. And 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 I was a I was a wannabe basketball player. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I I was like, well, if I raise these two to play basketball first, they'll be fine. They're they're athletic enough. And you know that, you know, Sage ended up playing both. And Braxton, um, Braxton played basketball his freshman year. And then you know, you know what it's like now. But if you start to become elite as a quarterback. You you start to go to Elite Eleven camp. You go to the Nike camps. It, it it becomes a year round thing. Yeah. And so he quit basketball. And I always told him, don't quit basketball. But recruiting became. You talked about when we were growing up. You know, you didn't know who was going to recruit you to your junior year. Well, now you know your freshman year. Right. And sometimes before that. He got yeah. offered as a freshman by Florida. Oh my God. And so. Yeah, that now that's a funny story. I, I know we're running a long on time, but I got. I have stories. I have as long as you have, so it's it's on you. Okay, okay. I'm on your well, clock. My wife, my wife, Jeff Garcia tells my wife, take him to Florida. The coaches need to see him in Florida. 
and my wife is is uh, very competitive. But in this setting, she was um, she was very laid back because she's like, "Look, you're a little kid. You just finished your freshman year. I want you to go to this camp, and I want you to enjoy yourself. But don't think, you know, don't be looking for offers. You don't have to be MVP. Just just have fun." Right. And so after the camp, um, uh, the the head coach brings back up to his office and he's like um uh where's your mom and Braxton's like i have no idea and he goes well here's a here, here's a here's a phone call her and tell her i need to talk to her so and, and it's must champ you, you know must champ was a coach at florida uh-huh. and so Brax gets on the speaker phone he calls his mom he's like where are you she goes i don't know i'm wandering around campus and she starts going into this it's a really nice place braxton and he's like hey mom the coach wants to talk to you. And she says, did you mess up? Did you do something wrong? Do I need to apologize to someone? And he's like, no, he just wants to see you in the office. And so Muschamp speaks up and goes, yeah, we want to talk to you about Braxton. My wife goes, what could you possibly want to talk to me about? He's 14 years old. (laughs) And he goes, he goes, just come to my office. So half an hour goes by still no wife, no wife in the office. Muschamp's like, where's your mom? And Brax is like, my mom's an airhead. So she could be lost anywhere. So they call her back and they said, tell us what signs you're looking at. And she was like outside the stadium somewhere and she couldn't figure out how to get to the office. So they send some poor graduate assistant in the rain to go find her. And he brings her up to the office and Muschamp, and Muschamp goes, you know, we wanted to bring you here. Braxton had a really good camp and we want to go ahead and make an official offer. And she goes, an official offer for what? To come back next year? And he goes, no, a scholarship. And she's like, what are you talking about? He's a little kid. And Braxton said, mom, 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 let's just get out of here. Hey, coach, thank you very much. And got her out of the room. He's like, mom, you can't question the coach when he offers me a scholarship. Yeah, that's hilarious. That's a fun story. <laughs> yeah, so, 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 you know, Jeff Garcia had set it up that if he did well at all, they were going to offer him, right? Yeah. And we didn't know that. And so my wife was just totally caught off guard. Yeah, wow. Mm-mm-mm. That's she pretty funny. Like, he's a little kid. She's like, he's a little kid. What are you talking about? Yeah, <laughs> three years from now. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's a good one. Oh, man. Gotta love it. Um, yeah. So how so how did he end up picking Virginia Tech uh, when he decided to leave Oregon? Were were your roots okay. you know back in Virginia? Were, were any of that play in or? Well, earlier you said Oakton must have a heck of a Hall of Fame. I went yeah. back to to Oakton's Hall of Fame induction. And by the way, we all go back for each other. We just don't go back when we're inducted. We go back when we all you know. Brian and I were inducted at the same time. Um, my friend Brian? So I was, yes i didn't know that so okay I, cool yeah he's in the i'm pretty sure he wasn't there but i'm pretty sure he was on that list um yeah. and now we're trying to get jack tyler and cody's in cody grim went in as well but we need to get jack tyler in. that's the next one we need to get in but so i went back for that ceremony and i went over to the vienna inn which is basically where i grew up playing vienna youth Mm-hmm. And I'm standing in the Vienna Inn, and an old buddy of mine who played for Marshall comes up to me, and I haven't talked to this guy in literally 30 years. And he goes, first thing he says to me is, "Not hello, not you want a beer, not it's where's Braxton going to school?" And I was like, <laughs> "What do you?" I was like, "I don't know." I was like, I, and I rattled off a couple of schools, and he goes, "Danny, let's call Virginia Tech right now." 
And I said, you know, someone, he goes, I was, I was uh, Jack Tyler, Jack Tyler, who went to Oakton. And this is the way the guy talks. He goes, Jack Tyler, the guy that went to Oakton, he, uh, he's, he played for me. He'll do whatever I say. And I was like, <laughs> all right, call him. So he calls Jack Tyler and Jack's like, yeah, the kid from Oregon, does he want to come here? And he's like, yeah, his grandfather, my father went to Virginia Tech. And um, so this guy, Blair Mason tells Jack Tyler, Jack Tyler went to the coaches and two weeks later, we were on official visit there. Wow. All about who you know. I never even I never even would have thought of Virginia Tech. I never right. and you know what? When you look at what Braxton is, Virginia Tech makes the most sense of anyone. Because mm-hmm. when you look at Hendon Hooker and you look at uh, you know the Vicks and you look at uh uh DeShazo and you look at uh, Brian Randall mm-hmm. and you look at the guys who have played quarterback there, they're all guys who can run and throw and are tough. Yep. And that's what Brax, that's, you know, that's what Brax is. So we were like, why did we never think of this? Right. And, you know, just be it out of San Diego, he just never had that as a recruiting option, but in the transfer portal, he did have that option. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, uh, it, it, he's that de- he is definitely, you know, that, that, that lunch pal, I know the lunch pal they use on defense, but he is that tough, you know, gritty dual threat that you see so much of there. Yeah, yeah he, 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 from day one, he was like, you know what? This offense makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was, uh, it, it was, uh, he was, he was happy immediately when he met the coaches and the coaches did a lot of diligence. It wasn't, it wasn't one of those things where they met with him and offered him. They actually came out to San Diego and watched him throw a couple of times oh, wow. and took their time and finally said, you know what? We think he's a good fit, but they took, they took their time. They actually scared us. We thought, we're like, what are these guys doing? But it's just the nature of that staff to take their time. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he, he, he's been lucky. You know, like I said, this year, we just hope he stays healthy. Yeah. Well, I'll be praying for that for you and for him. And, and, uh, I, you know, I can't imagine as a parent and for your wife as well. I can't imagine as a parent, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's pretty, uh, pretty frantic, especially being on the other side of the country, but, um, hopefully get to some games over here. So, so good luck to him and the Hokies. I was telling you before I, which did not plan that at all. Just when we started talking, I was like, I have a Virginia tech shirt on today. So um, we're, we're big tech fans. Yeah. Big Hokie fans in this household. uh, Largely because of Brian going there when he left Oakton and played at Virginia tech. So. um, I love you. God, cause it's hard to be a Cavalier fan. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad I don't have to to root for them. <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> except yeah. basketball. I, I do like you. I, I I definitely like uh, UVA hoops, but the you know Hokies are. That's because of the. That's because of their coach Tony Bennett. Airford likes that guy. Yeah, I mean he's hard not to like. And um, oh gosh, and his oh Jay uh oh Jay Huff. So Jay Huff was actually yep. team high school teammates with our godson down there in Raleigh. Yeah, or Durham rather I'm sorry um so they played down there together uh Jay was a year younger than our godson but they played all four years and Jay Huff's dad was our godson's high school coach um so there, there's you, you know some connections it's like you know as you and I were saying before we started you know it's like everybody knows some once you get kind of in this in this business of sports there's always you know dots that can be connected so Especially in the DMV. Yeah. I mean, we're just a hotbed football, basketball. You know, it's, I, I love, I mean, there's nothing like 
high school sports in the DMV. I mean, I, I went to college in Alabama and, and their college college sports rule. I mean, you know, I've obviously high school football down there in Alabama is just insane. But um, but, you know, really, Saturdays are what the South is made for. Uh, but, you know, I, I love Friday nights in, in the DMV, whether it's, you know, fall or winter. So uh, we, we, we miss that. We miss that. We really do. That's the one thing out in San Diego. We, we tried to we got a good football community, but it's not the same as DMV. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's tough to replicate for sure. All right. Um, so, Dan, I just had three more questions here and then I'm going to let you go. I really appreciate all this time. I know that, that we've run a little bit over of the uh, estimated time I gave you, but I'm sure I'm going to start getting a lot of responses about this interview because this has been a lot of fun. Um, so I'm going to ask you. So three quick hitter questions. Um, the first one are what are your three favorite football memories? And I'm sure you have a just an army chest to choose from. I think the number one would have been the final play during the strike against the Dallas Cowboys where Danny White threw the ball short, hit the ground, um, game over. I, I actually, I actually, if I had gotten a quicker break on that ball, I, I, I would have, uh, people would have actually known who I was because um, I was playing free safety when we were playing the Cowboys. And, and that was those three minutes will were the longest three minutes of my life. So I'll always remember that the, the Cowboys had 17 starters. We had a, we had all strike players and we beat them in Dallas. Yeah. And I, that that's, was uh, that's awesome. Is it? Yeah, so that uh, was, that was, that's, go ahead. that's definitely number one. And number two, I would have to say would be Sage. Um, I just me remembering things. Sage's first punt return in college where Idaho State was playing at Utah. And here's my 17-year-old son who graduated from high school early, back returning punts at 178 pounds against Utah. Um, I I will never forget that. He was the loosest guy in the stadium, and I was the most nervous, so I'll always remember that. Um, And um, I, I will say the third one will probably be Braxton's touchdown pass last year against UBA when Tech beat UBA in that rivalry game because that game just means so much. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh I, that was a big one. Yeah. Um Yeah, I mean, yeah. And UBA's yeah, been coming on strong. I mean, so that was a huge win for Tech. We were really happy with that. You know, it was uh going into that week, I think UBA had won four in a row and Tech had lost three in a row. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, you know, Braxton had a really good series the week before against Clemson, where he came in and they, in five plays, went 75 yards for a touchdown. And we, we had seen some hope of, well, you know, maybe he's figuring this thing out. And then UVA, he was a distribution quarterback where he was just making good decisions. You know, he seemed like he was in control. And mm-hmm. we were, we were, the re- first time ever, we were, we were relaxed by halftime. Yeah. Wow. So being ner- so now follow up question to what you just said. So the first thing I, I should point out is that my grandfather and his brothers got season tickets to the Redskins when Griffith Stadium was still uh, standing. Wow. Yeah. So we had them in our family. And I think that some of my mom's cousins still have them. We eventually on my on my my grandfather's side gave them up. My last cousin gave them up maybe within the last seven or eight years. So we had them in the family for a very, very, very long time. So 
uh, when you bring up, anytime you bring up beating the Cowboys, you know, there's a, you know, there's butterflies that, <laughs> that go off. Um, so you can imagine how much we uh, uh, appreciate hearing that. So that's number one. Number two, go ahead. That was just, I, I just remember what a crazy night it was. I mean, only the, only the Redskins and Cowboys play to a 13 to seven game and the Cowboys have the ball to score, you know, on the last series as the clock is running out on Monday night football. Yep. And especially like you said, they had 17 starters, you said. 17 starters, including Danny White, who yep. we could not handle all night. Yeah. So, you know, that will go down in, uh, in, in Redskins lore for sure. Uh, and then, so being being nervous uh, with your son starting at quarterback is one thing, but how nervous were you um, with your 17-year-old starting or, you know, returning punts against Utah? Because I can't imagine the nerves that you must have been feeling with that. I had I went to the game with a buddy, and um, Sage had told me he would probably punt return, but I didn't know if he was going to do it for sure. And somehow, Utah's first series was a three and out, and here he goes running out on the field. and. <laughs> It was a timeout. They, for some reason, they took a timeout. I think they were thinking about going for it. And the Utah band is playing, and my son is dancing to the band. And I'm, th- and I'm about to throw up in the stands thinking, <laughs> my poor boy, he's so small. And, it, you know, and I, I, he's got a – he had – Sage has always had a gift where he could catch bugs. I mean, it's just, it's just natural. And I was always – fighting the ball and, and struggling, catching punts. Cause you know, as a free safety, sometimes you keep the free safety in and punt safe and all you have to do is fair catch the ball. Right. Mm-hmm. I, 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 mm-hmm. I struggled with that. And so, you know, I, I was just nervous about the punt return and, but it, you know, what? it all ended up fine. They, I didn't realize they had told him to fair catch the first half punt while they got their feet under them. So I didn't have to worry about anyone hitting me. He never yeah. told me that. Oh, I think he might have. Yeah. I think he that he probably was reminded when he ran out on the field to do that because uh, he likes to do what he likes to do on the field. So it was. Uh, I had my buddy with me, and I just remember telling him, "Tell me when it's over," and and like looking <laughs> down at the ground. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's fun. Okay, uh, next question, and I and I said three to five because if you want to name five, you can, but. Give me at least three or your top five best safeties of all time. Wow, that's a great question. I grew up watching Van McElroy for the Raiders. And mm-hmm. the guy, I, I, just, I just remember the way he ran and hit. Being a Virginia boy, obviously Kenny Easley. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents grew up in the Portsmouth area, and he went to Norcom High School. And if Kenny Easley's if his body had held out and he had had a longer career, I think no one would be talking about Ronnie Lott as the greatest safety ever. I think they'd be talking about Kenny Easley. I think he played six years in the NFL. And if you go back and look at those six years, he was the best safety in football for six years. He was incredible. I had a lot of respect for the Redskin guys that I watched growing up. Uh, Mark Murphy and, and, and the guy who was a starter when I came in as a rookie was Curtis Jordan. Mm. Curtis Jordan and if Curtis hears this, I, I, I apologize for saying it. There's no way that guy ever broke four eight in the forty. No <laughs> way. I mean, there's no way. But but he was a he was obviously a better safety than I was because I got cut and he he started for the Redskins. But just a guy that knew the game mm-hmm. and knew what was coming and knew the other you know the other team's quarterback. And I gotta tell you, 
our backup for the Redskins, I have, I've always had a lot of respect for, and he's ended up being a heck of a pro coach is Todd Bowles. Mm. Oh, um, yeah. So I was third string, and we had a couple of guys behind me, but in front of me was Todd Bowles and Curtis Jordan, so that was yeah. no easy path. But but Todd, the, the, the amount of football knowledge between those two guys was just incredible. So, yeah. you know, those were the guys I was exposed to. Um, but I would say growing up, Van McElroy and, uh, and Kenny Easley. And if anyone remembers Kenny Easley at UCLA from Norcom High School mm. to UCLA to the Seattle Seahawks, you go back and put that film on, that was a different dude. I, I, I just, I, I've always, I always, I always admired his courage and athleticism. And I always admired Bowles and, and Curtis Jordan for their brain, how they, how the game came very easy to them, how they didn't have to be that fast because they knew what was going to happen. Yeah. Wow. So I would, I would say, I would, I would, I would say those four guys off the top of my head, I could probably come up with more, but those four. Yeah. And I know you mentioned Ronnie a lot. What do you think uh, if uh, Sean Taylor wasn't tragically killed, where do you think he would have fit in? Sean Taylor to me reminded me a lot of Kenny Easley, just vicious, just, uh, uh, just, I was always worried that Sean Taylor was going to have a short career because of his relentlessness and the way he played. But uh, th- those guys, you know, someone was asking me the other day when you, when you, I, I work, by the way, I work with a lot of quarterbacks in San Diego, oh, okay. and a lot of different, a lot of different players to help them go to college. And everyone's like, well, how do you know when a kid's a, you know, a D one player and, and, there are certain people that the first time you see them, the first play you see them, it's like watching hard knocks last night. That kid Parsons for the Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah. I watched the last one too. I I had to stop the TV five times and run it back and say, is that guy really that much faster than everyone else on the field? Right. But when you watch, when you watch, when you watch Taylor, it was the same thing. Is everyone else slow? Is everyone else not figuring things out, or is he the fastest mentally and physically of anyone on the field? Yeah, and he was just better. And and from what I understand, it wasn't like he was a guy who watched a ton of film or studied things. He was just something in him. It, it, it the game was easy to him. So what a tragedy because you know that guy would have the world at his feet. I mean, what an incredible talent. Yeah, absolutely. He was. He's definitely. So when we think about the Redskins, I mean, he was one of my top three. Art Monk and Daryl Green were my other two favorites. So, uh, but uh, well, he, Monk, uh, I had I had to cover Monk in practice for. Um, I was with the, my rookie year. I got there early, of course, played during the strike, and then was on the practice squad. So I had eight months of covering Art Monk. That was not fun. I was going to say, yeah, I bet that was a whole lot of fun. <laughs> and then Daryl Green, I couldn't believe that Daryl Green. Um, I just he he wasn't like anyone else on the team because he didn't have to be. I mean, I would watch you know Barry Wilburn and 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 Vernon Dean and and um, all those guys and how perfect they would backpedal and how perfect they would move. And I would think, boy, that takes years. And then I would watch Daryl. Daryl would stand sideways and let people run in front of him because he didn't care. Because when the ball was in the air, he was that much better than everybody else. Yeah. Now talk about running a fast 40 or the opposite Darryl, of the Darryl, opposite of the slow 40 you were mentioning. Yeah. There, he he could fly. Fast guys. 
there's fast guys, and then there's guys that are as fast as they need to be. Yeah. Daryl was as fast as he needed to be. If, if Daryl needed, you know, I mean, Daryl caught Ron Brown from behind, and Brown has an Olympic gold medal. Jeez. Crazy, right? I mean, so it's, oh, I, I, I remember going to camp and thinking, this kid can't be as fast as everyone says he is, and then watching and going, oh, my God, that's a different species. That's a yeah. different person. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Dan, last question, and I'll, then I'll let you let you go here. This has been great. Uh, five dinner guests, dead or alive? Five dinner guests. Um, that's a good one. Um, let me think. I, I hate to be boring, but Bobby Beathard and Joe Gibbs, I love talking to the two of them back when I had a chance to play. Yeah. I think they're geniuses. I think they know how to run, especially now that I'm older and, and running the sales organizations I've run. I take a lot from those two guys. And I always, always just love Bobby Beathard. And the fact that I had access to him through Kurt Beathard and Jeff Beathard and Casey Beathard and all the Beathard boys that went to Oakton, I, I've, I've always just, just loved him. And obviously Gibbs played a big role. Um, I'm trying mm-hmm. to think who else. Um, I'm a big Bruce Springsteen guy. Oh, um, okay. I'm a big, I'm a big Bruce Springsteen guy. Probably, I have to think of a few music people, but uh, um, yeah, I hate to be so boring. No, but, it's your um, dinner. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I was, I was very, very, very close during recruiting to Joe Paterno, oh, and wow. I. And I, I, uh, he actually came to my house twice for home visits and I picked him up at the airport both times at Dulles airport. And I was so nervous to get to my house and he would, <laughs> he would always joke about why don't you have somebody pick me up? And my life is in your hands. Um, and I, I just, I just remember, I just, I fell in love with him. I was so disappointed that my trip to Penn state went badly because I wanted to play for him so bad. Yeah. Um, but he's, you know, he's been gone for a number of years now, obviously. Um, I, I know I'm boring you. Cause I'm no, you're not. I, I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying these too. I was, I was a big Penn state fan growing up. So. Yeah. He was just, he, he, he'd do anything in the world, but talk about football. He would sit wow. in the backyard with my father and talk to my mother. I don't think football ever came up. Wow. Wow, and, and he, and he, he, he was just—he uh, was just so, so different than, than, uh, than everybody else. But no, the, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a boring dude. I'm, a, I'm a football Monday morning to, to, to Sunday night uh, every week. I, 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 obviously, I work and make a living, but uh, every other waking hour, I am thinking about, you know, I'm thinking about uh, the kids we develop out here. Um, the kids we work with, where, where can we get them to go to college? And so I'm a boring dude. So I, you know, when I, when I say Joe Gibbs and, and Bobby Beathard and Joe Paterno, those are my heroes. Yeah. I mean, it may bore some people, but definitely not me or the people on this show. Trust me to listen to this show. I'm, I'm sure that everyone listening is going to love all this. One of the, the, uh, was that for, you need one more. I'm sorry. You need one more. Oh man. Um, you know what? I went to the University of North Carolina and I had two conversations and you're going to think I'm going to say Jordan, but I'm not. I'm going to say Dean Smith. Oh yeah. Um, I can, I can remember like 
I met Dean Smith on my official visit and I just was floored. I, you know, I was in awe. I was a kid. I was in awe of, I just met Dean Smith and I never saw him again until my senior year. And I was, uh, I was, uh, had a football recruit and, um, they wanted me to take the football recruit into the basketball locker room. And so I brought him into the locker room and Dean Smith walks, walks by. I said, coach Smith. And I said, uh, I want to introduce you to this recruit. Right. Uh-huh. And so coach Smith, you know, he talks to the recruit for a second, asks him where he's from, blah, 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 blah. And then he turns to me and goes, Hey, the last time I talked to you, you were a senior in high school. And you were thinking about coming here, and you've had a pretty good career here. I was just wondering how did you, how did everything work out for you? Oh, I man. was absolute. I was floored. I was like, "What?" I, I, you know, because when I met him, I was thinking, "My, he, the guy has no idea who I am, right?" Right. And, but that was one of those moments where I was like, "This dude remembers who I am. How is this possible?" Wow, that's really it special. Was, yeah, Dean, Dean Smith and my high school basketball coach actually told me a story that he had met him in Georgia in the early 70s at a camp and he saw him eight years later at another camp and Dean walked up to him and said his name and said I met you at such and such and so and so wow and, that's incredible and, 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 and the shame of Dean Smith is you know he had dementia right before he died and I told my wife one time I said isn't it unbelievable that the guys that have the greatest mind, sometimes it's the first thing to go on them, you know? Yeah, you're right. That's, that's, that's a a very valid point. And I I think also that's what makes great coaches is, is the ability. I always tell everyone, you know, coaching is, you know, uh, we have a mutual friend, Don, and and he always says, yeah, anybody can, can uh, get X's and O's off the internet, but if you can really have relationships and, uh, and know how to, to work with people and, and connect with people, then that's really what makes really great coaches as well. So clearly, Dean, and I, Coach uh, Smith had. They, yeah. they talk about the handwritten letters he wrote to all, all, during key events in life to all of the players that had played for him, whether they averaged one point a game or whether it was, you know, Jeff Lebo, Steve Hale, Michael Jordan, that group. It, right. it, it didn't matter who they were. He would write them notes at their weddings, at their kids' graduations. I mean, just can you imagine the time and effort he put into relationships? Yeah, incredible. What a great legacy. No one, yeah, no one does that today because everything's so quick. You know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The uh, the the age of immediacy. <laughs> you know, everything yeah. has to happen right now. Well, and that's one of the a great. Story. I went to North Carolina was it was Dean Smith. The guy has nothing to do with football, and is one of the reasons why I went to North Carolina. It's just crazy. Yeah, he sold the school well. You know, he, he's a great uh, ambassador. So incredible, exactly, incredible, exactly. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much, Dan. Um, you know, like I said, I think that this is uh, you know the the audience is going to really love hearing all of this. This has just been an incredible interview and. Good luck to your son and, and to your family and, uh, and everything you're doing. But thanks so much for spending time with me today and uh, looking no, forward to catching no, up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I mean, it's, it's, I love the DMV. Um, I appreciate the time you spent with me. I appreciate the questions. I appreciate the fact you were interested at all. So thank you very much. And we're just going to pray for health and a great year for the Hokies. All right. Go Hokies. 
And everyone, uh, tune back in. Hope everyone has enjoyed their summer college football getting ready to kick off here. Um, Zachy Wheatley, let me uh, uh, chime this in, who was our very first guest uh, in talking about Penn State. Uh, They just opened their camp last week. So I did speak to him. He's doing well. And, uh, you know, all the other players who are getting ready to start in uh, football, the football guys we've had on, best of luck to them in their high schools and colleges. So I'll tune back in uh, for another guest. This is episode 31, Dan Burmeister. And thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.